Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Whatever time you're listening or whatever you're listening from, welcome along to A Blank Canvas. I'm Cameron Rawson, and this is episode 35 with Abby White and Joe Myers of Foxglove. How are you doing? I hope you're feeling good. This was a brilliant episode to record. I had so much fun, so much fun. Just chatting about a bunch of different stuff, so much stuff. We speak about the band name and how they came to be, their background in music, writing music, social media, of course, their latest single, Give It Up, and much more. Feel free to follow our socials at a blank canvas pod on Instagram, forward slash a blank canvas pod on Facebook, a blank canvas pod.com for our website. It's nice and pretty, pretty website. And if you want to email us, hello at a blank canvas pod.com. I imagine you have to be really, really bored to do that, but the option is there. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, please hit the five star button. Go to the reviews, five star, please, please, please. And if you're on Spotify, which the majority of you are, please hit the follow button. I'd be very grateful. This is episode 35 with Abby Y and Joe Myers of Foxglove. Welcome, Welcome to a blank canvas with Cameron Rawson. Cameron Rawson. Um, I want to start by saying I love your music. It's it's amazing. Uh, but before we get into the music, I'd like to ask the cliche question, which is how did you four become Foxglove and also why the name Foxglove? Oh, I love telling this story. <laughs> really? I- yeah. <laughs> what? I didn't know that. <laughs> so yeah, I, I always think that Fox Club is full of weird coincidences. Um because we all met by coincidence. Um so about six years ago it was now, I was working it back the other day. Um I went to a gig in Manchester. Um it was my friend's band who were playing, and there was a band supporting called Jester's Tear. So I checked out Jester's Tear on Instagram and I followed Jester's Tear and, and the band members as well, um, which were Liam and Ryan and two others at the time. Um, and about two years later, I had a message from Ryan on Instagram about my guitar. And he was like, oh, we're just wondering if you sing as well, because we're looking for a singer for our band and we want to change our name. Uh, so I went for an audition and the rest is, well, not the rest is history. The rest is history up till then. Um and we were looking for a band name for ages and it got to the point like I wish I really wish there was a cool story behind the fact of our name but there actually isn't um we were just looking through a list of flowers because we were like (laughs) what can we do (laughs) so we're like right we'll just pick off one of these lists of flowers um and foxglove was our favorite but it turned out that my zodiac flower apparently i didn't even realize this was a thing is a foxglove so zodiac wow. flowers uh, yeah zodiac flowers are a thing apparently um and then obviously we were that set up for a couple of years and then um our bassist left and we put out um an ad for an for an audition for a bassist and weirdly enough joe by coincidence had also seen us in the past and Joe, I'll let you finish it off. Yeah, I was just a massive Foxglove fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I saw them play Factory in Manchester. Was it 2016? I think so, yeah. 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 Um, and been, been to sort of see them as support bands for a, a couple of gigs. 
and then saw that saw a post saying they were looking for a um, for a basis, so I thought I'd give it a shot. And now the rest is history. Now the rest no, is nice. History. It's, it's been relatively organic, then, hasn't it? Um, nice little sort of circle back to the name being a flower as well, I guess. Organic flowers, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, so yeah, as a, so a, a foxglove is a flower. I didn't know that. Yeah, so yes. I always like tell people as well, it's not actually a, the animal a fox wearing gloves because that's really not as cool that's as a flower. That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> We're going to have to put a disclaimer up for everybody. Foxglove, by the way, the flower. I mean, it's I like the story. It's a very good story. Um, so let's talk about uh, you two individually. Are you both um, musically uh, inclined background-wise? I guess that's a good way of putting it. And also... What did you both listen to when you were younger? I think on, for Jay. me, there's there's nobody sort of in my direct family that was very musical. Um, my dad grew it sort of when I was growing up. My dad played a lot of um, sort of like Stereophonics, The Smiths, nice. Um, sort of like car journeys to Wales and things like that. A lot of that sort of stuff was played. Um, but tracing back, it was sort of my great grandparents my great great grandparents were sort of piano teachers and things so it must trace back quite far as to why it's been it's literally been it's the only thing i've ever really felt comfortable doing um is music so yeah, yeah. There's, there's there's not really any sort of yeah there's nothing else that i've really yeah. done apart from just doing music it's nice. strange because the other day we were having this um a similar discussion about like families and because we always seem to feel that a lot of successful bands like years down the line you're like oh their dad is so and so or their mum like is nepotism kind of thing yeah yeah and we were talking about it and we're like well, none of us really in our direct families have musical relatives really like my my dad just plays a bit guitar but he's not well, he's, he's, I hope he's not listening to this. He is good, but he's not like a professional guitarist or anything. That's horrible. Um, <laughs> it's like how no, my we... mum thinks she can sing. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Ooh. <laughs> but yeah, like I think with me, it was just my parents always listened to music growing up a lot. Like um, when my mum was growing up in the 80s, she listened to a lot of new romantic stuff. Like she loves soft cell. Um, so I listened to Soft Cell a lot growing nice. up. Um, but then she also listened to a lot of Kylie and she claims that she thinks I'm musical because she listened to a lot of Kylie <laughs> when she was pregnant with me. And now I'm, I've been to see Kylie seven times. So I'd say what? I'm a, a big what? fan. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. That's, uh, that's cool. Um, I always uh, like to find out, especially about bands, because obviously it's a collective experience when you're creating something. Unlike if you're a singer-songwriter by yourself, you only have to compromise with yourself so within foxglove how do you um what's your process i guess is what i'm uh, getting to how do you go about writing your music um does one of you take lead and you kind of go yeah no or is it quite inclusive do you all input together it's changed massively during lockdown hasn't it mm -hmm. um it was predominantly somebody would come with an idea to a rehearsal space um and we'd sort of develop it from there or we'd we'd end up um, doing a rubbish cover at the end of rehearsal, and we'd sort of rearrange that rubbish cover into a completely original song, um, which is where the the next single that's coming out kind of came from. Give it up, 
was definitely a, um, a an experiment that turned out all right. Um, but now since the start of lockdown, it's everything's done remotely. So sort of coming up with an idea will be predominantly one person's idea. And then we layer it up from there. There's sort of more, there's more of a definitive idea that comes to the table rather than just trying it in a room together. How are you finding sort of creating music over lockdown then with the, with Zooms and stuff like that? It's, it's been a challenge to say the least. Like we've all had to learn how to record remotely because most of us, well, Joe's like the legend that knows how to do everything with recording <laughs> music on, on his computer. But like, Too nice. The, <laughs> the three of us, the rest of us, like we weren't, had nev- I'd never touched a door and I, like Ableton in my life. Um, so it's definitely been a massive learning curve. I mean, it's it's been a learning curve, but it's nothing can beat being together. I think in a live practice room, and you can just mess about with stuff, and you'd be like, "Oh, that actually sounds good. Let's carry on with that." Whereas when you're at home and you might necessarily be messing around with something, you'd just be like, mm, "I'll just move on to the next thing," and you might miss things that way as well. So, yeah, for me, I. Although it is really good that we've been able to learn a lot, um, I think nothing beats being together. Do you think in a weird way uh, for, I mean, for you as a, as a band, but then also speaking for other people within music, lockdown, as, as bad as it's been, it's also given musicians and bands time to create more and obviously dedicate more time to creating, or do you think it's just been a whole load of shit, really? <laughs> <laughs> Best way of putting it. Um, you know, I kind of agree with you. Like it, it with the first statement, we have all learned so much and have been able to spend so much time on things that we wouldn't usually be able to spend time on. We've all learned loads, like especially with how creative we've been in terms of like the visual side of things and videos and um imagery, artwork, and how we want a single to come across. We've definitely learned a lot and invested a lot more time in things in that way um the stuff that has been a load of shit was the festivals being cancelled but um yeah I think it has kind of been a bit of a positive in terms of like learning and knowing where your creative flair comes from and things like that I think Abby will be very modest about it but um she's been doing all the artwork for the singles and stuff oh nice that's (laughs) awesome yeah sort of digitally drawing them which looks is adding another dynamic to that, and especially with lockdown, it's given us the opportunity to learn video ed- editing, to learn how to draw on digital software and things. I have had experience before, but we've really been able to def- refine that and make it something that we can use professionally for ourselves. I guess as creatives, and and obviously, I think a lot of musicians now are, are, are having to be a creative and sort of a band manager and a graphic designer themselves. A because Shit costs a lot of money nowadays, you know? I mean, to, yeah. <laughs> to, to, to use someone's service, credit to them for being good at what they do, but obviously people want to make money and to go to a graphic designer for artwork, I imagine is a lot of money. So it's good that you're doing that yourself. Um, I mean, it's obviously great that so many things are accessible, but um, do you think that the fact that it is so accessible and also accessible to make music is also bad? I'm not saying that's my opinion. I'm asking more the fact that do you think because so many people can create music and can can do all this themselves, I say in quotation marks easily, obviously I don't mean as in it's easy to make good music, mm-hmm. but 
people can obviously access the uh, softwares and the products to do this. Do you think it's creating a market uh, which is oversaturated and, or do you think it's just great that everyone can access all of this stuff? I think it's brilliant that everybody can just, just try it and have a shot at it. Um, I think there's something, everybody's been at that position where they've just started out with something and they're just accessing it quite easily. I think the issues kind of come across where, you know, it do, it does make the music industry so full of music, which can be brilliant, but it's either, you know, the, the big artists signed to major labels are getting even bigger and the grassroots artists, there's just so many of us now. And it's so lovely to hear them all. Um, it probably sounds quite selfish, but there's there's not as much opportunity because of right. it. That's what I was sort of getting at because there's a weird irony of the fact that there's all these platforms where you can push yourself. I mean, we'll talk about social media a bit later on, but there's all these platforms like Spotify, Amazon Music, where you can be on playlists, you can do this, you can do that. But then on the flip side to all of that, there's more people who can make music. So it's like, it. I don't know, it's, it's I guess neither of you can really answer this, but I always have this question of, is mu is it easier now than it was years ago to be recognised or is it actually more difficult yeah yeah it is it it does feel sometimes it it's it comes in waves like sometimes you think oh it's you can see it in your head and you think oh it's so much easier now because we've got social media and you can email people and you've got um such an easy access to get your stuff on spotify now um but then you think oh it's more difficult because there is a lot more people doing it and especially like like in lockdown i think a lot of people have started um like producing music I know quite a few of my friends have tried it and my brother's tried it um yeah it is it is a difficult one I think probably it is harder now it is more saturated but it does encourage you to work harder as well yeah I think it gives you that opportunity to you, you have to have something original whereas before you, you, music could be you you've bread and butter you've, but now you've got to have you've got to have that image you've got to have that sort of spark within your music which i hope that we we portray well so go, go, go i mean I, I think you do i will talk thank about you, Cameron, um, thank you no honestly I, i'm not i'm not saying this to butter you guys up but i do think your music is great um i mean i, I looked i looked on your uh the about on your spotify and i read that manchester Evening news said that you essentially joined the dots between tame impala heim and the cure which i think is so apt um i couldn't have put it better myself oh, thank uh, you. And it is ridiculously euphoric. Um, I felt like Bridget Jones earlier, just kind of dancing around <laughs> my kitchen when I was making my, my scrambled eggs on toast. I was like, you know what, this is great. Um, getting pretty pumped up to do fucking nothing later on. So that's fun. Um, but uh, and now I've forgotten my next question, which is good. Um, no, no, I've, I've, it's come back to me now. So in terms of your writing, um, are you... Are you the kind of uh, folks, musicians who like lock yourself away and just get, you know, get lyrics together? Or do you kind of take in society, take in culture, see what's going on in the world? What usually happens uh, lyrically is I always write down notes in my phone wherever I am. Um, I, if a phrase just comes to my head or it can be, honestly be anywhere and I'll write it down. And then usually I can kind of collate the phrases together and find a meaning in them um but especially with give it up um i wrote that one pretty quick i write as like a stream of consciousness sometimes 
So I wrote Bright Lights and Give It Up, the lyrics, at pretty much the same time. Um, I think I said in, um, I said to a, a blog that it came like, the Bright Lights was the bit where I was pissed off and angry and Give It Up was like the fallout and the sadness <laughs> when you realize what's actually happening. Um, but yeah, that's the usual process. Um, it is hard, I think, at first, when you first join a band to to sing your lyrics to other people. Um, because especially like for me, it's like my personal experiences to sing that in front of somebody else and be like, okay, this is what's going on in my life yeah, right now. Of course. <laughs> right. Yeah, I get, I get I'm that. okay, but this is what's happening. <laughs> it's a bit scary at first, but I'm just looking at that Liam and Ryan and Joe and are very lovely people and they'll, they would never laugh at me or like judge me for oh. what, what I write about. That's um, what you think. Well, yeah, that's why I think they've got a secret group chat. <laughs> um, I, I guess you've kind of answered it, this next question, but what do you think makes uh, lyrics or a song great? Would you say it's like the authenticity of being, you know, hearing someone's story and them being authentic? Or yeah. do you think it's something else? Yeah, I think whenever I write lyrics, I always, or I think this can go even further of like the sound that we make. I. I just want it to feel really euphoric and I want it to make me cry, like <laughs> in a good way, in a good no, way. Of course, like, of course. Like, I remember, like when we play Bright Lights, sometimes it makes me want to cry. Just, I think it's just all the emotions in it. Like we work so hard and the, what the lyrics mean as well to me. And the same with Give It Up. Like when I write lyrics, I want it to mean something. Um, and I think the things that I've written about are very universal for other people um and you can kind of relate to them yourself um but yeah that's what I go for when I write lyrics um I like them to be quite emotional and quite open and honest do you think you can tell when another musician singer-songwriter um is being fake with their music uh, and I say that very vaguely so you can kind of take that as you want but um, I always see it as a as an interesting topic of conversation with other musicians um, who, when when I sort of bring up the topic of an artist who is clearly throwing together music, can you tell they've done that, or is it is it not something you can tell so easy? What do you think, Joe? Um, I think I think it's important that sort of just writing for the sake of writing is also like it's a massive part of getting a finished product at the end of it um i think if you listen to a lot of the top 40 stuff it a lot of it is it's not very sort of personal experiences or them reflecting on their mental well-being um i think it's very nice with uh the number one track uh was it Dri driver's license yeah mm -hmm. how that yeah, yeah, yeah. That was kind of very much a storytelling song. I think a lot of the sort of pop music at the moment is so heavily produced. It's kind of hard to, you lose that meaning behind a lot of the lyrics. Um, but it's also an important thing in sort of a creative process to just get those ideas out. I found when I was, when I first started writing, I would write lyrics and at that moment in time, they wouldn't mean anything to me personally. And then it was kind of like a foreshadowing of what was to come, really. And you kind of would realise what was going on in the world and going on for yourself. And those lyrics kind of made sense over time. 
I think sometimes as well, like, even though like, I know we just said how important that emotional and like vulnerable lyrics are and that they mean something, you can still write an absolutely brilliant song. And I think they're equally as amazing when you can cleverly write something about something so small, but make it sound amazing. My example I'm going to use is there's a band, um, Joe, you correct me if I'm wrong, is it Swamp Chicken? Yes. That have written a song about pizza and it's oh, amazing. Oh, it's a brilliant tune. It's really? brilliant and it's just about pizza. Okay, it's just if so you have a listen done. to Swamp Chicken, go and have a listen to Swamp Chicken. A swamp brilliant. Chicken, okay. Yeah. I'm writing this down. Um, wow, okay. Um, that's, uh, I mean, it was great answer um and i'm glad you gave an example as well um so since pursuing pursuing music yourselves i say that as if like you've, you're not doing well I, I mean as in like you know obviously everyone's pursuing for more and more and more um but what do you think individually you've learnt, both good and bad i'll go first if you like joe um <laughs> cool yeah, what, what was the question again <laughs> Uh, so, so since yeah, so since since pursuing music, what have you learned that's both good and I guess bad? I think when you first like have your little pipe dream when you're a kid, like I've always wanted to be a singer since oh since I was about I don't know I can't even remember it's been that long, um, but I've always had like a like a little microphone growing up. I've always sung around the nice. house and. And when you're that age, you just think, oh, when I grow up, I'm going to be a singer. I'm going to be a famous singer. And you just, the older you get, the more your perception changes. And you think, like, it's a lot harder. The industry is so difficult. And, like, not necessarily, like, even when you're a kid, you might think, oh, I want to be a famous superstar. But now my perception would be, I'm not really bothered about the fame. I just want our music to be liked by people and enjoy playing music and have a career within music. I think your perception does change as you get older. Um, but yeah, yeah. What would you say, Joe? Honestly, it's kind of a hard question to answer because it's, like I said before, it's all I've ever done. So the good and the bad things are just sort of day-to-day life for me. Um, I think the great the great things are the experiences that it gives you. Um like we've been able to go across the north of England and do some play to some amazing people and meet some amazing bands, and but thankfully there's not been a negative that really stands out for me because it's just always that's what it's been for me. There's no negatives in. Fox there's no <laughs> negatives at all. Wow, I want your Nothing life. Nothing at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, negatives uh, in day to day life, though. That's that's different. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was speaking to a chap called Ali McRae, uh, who used to present uh, BBC Introducing on Radio One a few years ago, uh, and now he's a band manager. And I was talking to him about how important social media is nowadays when you're a band or a musician at any level. Um, now, what is your thoughts on it being so integral? Do you like that? Do you think it's a bit annoying? Um, you know, there's so many cases I've heard of friends who are signed to labels where it, social media is so important. It's like 50-50, the music and the, the marketing and the social media. Um, and another part of the social media uh, question statement here is... Um, Someone like Lewis Capaldi, 
his social media, uh, it's safe to say, was a massive... Uh, um, it was very impactful on the mm -hmm. sales of his music. It was huge. His personality was massive. I'm sure he'd say that. Um, Ali, who I spoke to, is good friends with his manager, and I'm, he was saying that Lewis would definitely admit to that. So do you think that's that's a good thing, or do you think it's quite toxic that the fact social media and self-marketing is so important? Some say just as important as the, I say, product, the music you're creating. Yeah, we... we um... I'll speak on behalf of all of us. Correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, but I, we like really take social media in our stride. Like it's a big part for us because um, that's where most of our interaction comes from in terms of people listening to, getting people to listen to our music. Um, and that's, especially Instagram, that seems to be like the platform where people will engage and speak to us and chat to us about our music at the, mo at the minute. Um, and I also think it's so important because I think now, like as well as your music, you also have to have your personality shine through as well. Um, so we've been trying to do that this year, like like introduce ourselves more rather than just our music, show who we are as people. Um, so we've been trying to do a few vlogs, little Q and A. Um, nice. We've been well cooking we've just with Foxglove. Cooking with Foxglove. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. I, I saw that in the pancakes. That was fucking <laughs> funny. <laughs> So we like we feel that it's a big thing for us, and we're trying to get our personalities across more. And um, because I think, for me, like when I'm interested in an artist, you're interested in the music, but then I think the second thing you're interested in is like how they appear on social media and and what they are like as a person and how they they act in front of people. And I think that's a big thing for for bands at the minute. I think it's very important, though, how you consume social media as well. Mm -hmm. um, it can be a very destructive place to be. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's kind of hard to have that sort of separation between social media being somewhere where you can go and you can consume content, enjoy it, and then also having that as a creative outlet, which I think we've managed to do quite well. We, um, we, we love creating on social media. Um, and using the resources around us to create something that hopefully is enjoyable for people. But I know a, a lot of people can sort of use social media so much and it takes over their lives. And honestly, it's quite a, an awful thing to see when somebody's life is revolved around mm. Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Mm. Yeah, it is hard because like, sometimes, like, the, like, for example, the other week I said to the guys, I was like, I need to come away from social media for a bit because I felt like it was taking over my life. But then you've got the band stuff to do. So you kind of right. need it at the same time. But it does become like a part of your life that sometimes that you can't have a break from the social media side. Um, but yeah, it's, it's sometimes it can be difficult to, to manage and, and take a break from. It's a weird sort of vicious circle, isn't it, social media? Because whilst as a with with a creative or with a band where you rely on social media to help promote what you're doing whether it's music or in my case a podcast i don't like being on facebook or, or i don't particularly like spending time on instagram but somehow well i've got a notification on my instagram so after an hour a day that i've been on it it reminds me but i still manage to spend more than an hour a day on instagram which is i think is insane it's mad I mean, isn't it <clears throat> and i, I know I people who spend longer on it as well 
Yeah, I said to Joe the other week because I deleted the app for a week and my screen time went down by 15 hours. Whoa. I know. Whoa. Yeah, it's mental. I think it doesn't help with lockdown. Like there's not really much to do. Sure. But you do find yourself sometimes like you have to pull yourself away because you can get so wrapped up in it. And for me, I think it's not just necessarily like, like the influencer side of thing that you're thinking about, but it's more like, how can I make my life look appealing to, and how can I, I think sometimes you're trying to trick yourself into thinking that you've got this really appealing life. And I think that's another issue with social media. It's not just wanting to be like other people, but it's wanting other people to perceive you the way mm. you want to be perceived as well. It's, um, it is the most like it's it's just such a blessing and a curse because yeah. obviously it's great that when you're wanting to do something and pursue something you can use social media as a platform but then it's also such a curse that i mean it's it's a dangerous place isn't it yeah this has got very deep very quickly <laughs> yeah it has but it but it's, it's but it it's, is yeah it's it's true and it's an, and it's something that um i mean i know a, a singer who was on my podcast recently called Lauren Aquilina and she's done great things. She's getting, in, you know, she supported mm-hmm. Taylor Swift in London a few years ago. She's done incredible things. And she quit music for a whole year because of her mental health. And that was because of social media and alike. It's, you know, I mean, it, even as a DJ, you know, I can have countless people say to me, great set, but all it takes is one person to say to me something mean and it sticks in my head for days, even weeks. Yeah. And I'm like, ah, and it's just, uh, yeah. Um, Another another side of tic- uh, another side of TikTok another side of social media is TikTok um and it's something that's very interesting because I think music on on TikTok is a sort of subgenre itself um you know a lot of people are yeah. becoming successful but what's interesting about TikTok is that it's it's only short clips so you know people are becoming musicians and bands alike are becoming and DJs and producers are becoming successful off of the back of 15 seconds of music. Now, that surely can't be good for the music industry. It's it's hard, isn't it? Because you think, like me personally, I think that it's mad how TikTok shapes the charts. And I th- I do kind of right. think it, I don't, yeah. I don't think it's very fair on other artists, like especially like when, as, I know Driver's License, that was the first release, but that was like taking over the charts, taking over TikTok. And you think there's so many other releases and um it's just dominating the charts now tiktok it's It's quite scary as well because there's a lot of licensing issues people can upload their own ripped mp3 audio and make a tiktok out of it but where's the songwriters credits for that and i think think the actual income from the different licensings i think tiktok has kind of missed the mark from that and now there's a lot of sort of controversy around it and i think they were trying to sort something out about it but there's still it's the it's the line wire situation is when it's only 15 minutes 15 seconds of music but songwriters still should get paid for the sounds that they're being used as a in a public domain mm-hmm. that's something i never thought of actually mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and again again going on with the tiktok thing um I, I've said this to a few musicians and I always like to hear the, the response to this. So a friend of mine, she signed to a label and she was approached by someone at a label saying, is there any chance you could write some music for TikTok, please? Now, what's your thoughts on that? A label saying to an artist, can you write music for TikTok? It's impossible. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It, 
the the music that comes from TikTok is so it's it's so ahead of the curve that the writers don't know about it. It's just kind of it's this overnight success thing, isn't it? Yeah, what one day yeah. you can be absolutely fine, and the next day somebody's made a viral video out of fifteen seconds of your music. Yeah. You can't. I think it, yeah, I feel like it depends on the on the video as well. Like you wouldn't be able to predict it. Like especially how dreams took off again. It was just some guy on a skateboard. Like yeah, that's incredible, isn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, that- that that guy's now got three and a half million followers on Instagram. Oh my god! And a load of juice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And literally, he was sponsored by that juice cup. Was it? Um, I can't even remember the it's name. Ocean it. spray was. Yeah, it? that's the one. <laughs> um, yeah, it's wild. It is wild. And uh, again, it's it's this idea of um, how someone can be an overnight success on TikTok. I, I, in a weird way, I I hope it's just a current trend because I do think it's damaging. For for everyone really in terms of music, um, how obviously you only got fifty, you've only got fifteen or is it fifteen, thirty seconds? I think it's one or the other, I don't mm. really know. Um but yeah, it's very damaging for like the creative aspect of music. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure some labels are laughing because they're making a ton of money from it, but on the flip yeah. side, it's the idea is just strange. It is mad. Like we suddenly, we recently got a, a TikTok account and well, we we've had it for a while, but we've been posting stuff and we're only getting like 200 views and then ryan and liam posted a video of them <laughs> playing football with an with a balloon and they've got sixty thousand views it's not got our music underneath and you just what? think that's what's on our profile now a video uh, of them two playing football with a balloon with sixty thousand views and our actual music getting 200 plays the only it's audio just, in that video is is liam and ryan shouting football chants uh, <laughs> <laughs> It is. It's bizarre because you can't you can't predict it. I guess. Um, again, so many creatives might make a video and they're making been making videos all their life, and then one that they didn't expect to be a big hit might get ten thousand views. And it's just, I guess, you can't predict what the people who consume all of this content what they want there and then. I think that's definitely happened with. Um, if you heard of Deco, they kind of had the big Wonderwall um, thing. They were on BBC News from it um, they made a tiktok which was uh, an 80s mashup of wonderwall and i haven't heard that now have you not it absolutely blew really up good. and off the back of it they've been on cbbc they've been on bbc news and i think that sort of creative side of it where so it's like i think that song is quite every, everybody knows wonderwall to have an 80s mashup being creative with somebody else's song to sort of propel your career is amazing but um, we were watching um, a live stream of them yesterday and they were talking about how they're trying to redirect um, the people that have seen all their, their mashups and the covers to their own original music, which, right. is, which is so hard because they're, they're, they're a live band. That's predominantly what they try and do when they're, they're, their covers and TikTok videos are getting so massive. It's trying to sort of redirect them to Spotify and buying gig tickets um but then again it's still the exposure from tiktok isn't it it's that bad cycle of there's there's ups and downs of it where it's great exposure but maybe not the healthiest kind of exposure yeah it's weird because obviously yeah yeah exa- exactly how you've said it's the, they're getting all this exposure but it's not for their own their own original music mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what what do you think to the state of play at music of, of music at the moment like, whether it's the charts or music that's coming out do you think it's cool do you think it's great do you think there's some music out there that's 
quite frankly, shit. Um, obviously, it's not ni- it's not nice to criticize other people per se, but at the same time, um, obviously, yeah, the music is obviously uh, very subjective. Yeah, I there's been a, a couple of re- releases this year so far that um, I've been interested in because usually now I feel like I listened to one of your other podcasts with Lucy Deacon and I heard her talking about the albums and how you would go out and invest money into an album and how streaming has affected that. And I agreed with her because I thought, now you don't go and buy an album anymore. You just you just go and stream a couple of songs, and then you're like, oh, on to the next. But right. this year, this year I've, um, there's been two that I've been interested in so far, um, which was Pale Wave's second one, which I was interested about hearing, um, and I thought it was good. But the one I pref- like, I'm really a fan of is S.G. Lewis, and he's brought his first oh, album out. Oh, my God. Amazing. Yeah, so good. And I really love that. And and I'm looking forward to Dimension. He's bringing out his debut album in the middle of March. He's drum and bass producer. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. I'm really looking forward to. Um, but I, like, I agreed with Lucy. Like, I feel like the you're less likely to go and listen to an album now because of streaming. But 100%. Then the, yeah. It's I just... Mean, you, I... you, go on, sorry. No, no, well, I was just going to say that um, I don't think I've listened to a full album in maybe years now, which is quite bad. I'll, even I'm a big fan of Taylor Swift and even her nice. uh, even her latest albums, of which there's been quite a few now. Um, I, I I can't just listen to the whole thing. I like to maybe listen to a few or, um, you know, obviously the fact that people can create their own compilations in the form of playlists now. Do people want to listen to a full album? Do we get do we yeah. get bored so quickly because we've got access to all of this? And also more so, I think for an artist, is it is it better to be releasing a new track every six weeks as fresh content rather than being right here's an album and you're promoting that for a year? Yeah, I mean, I used to listen to CDs all the time. Um, before I, I think I, f- I finally caved in and paid for Spotify Premium in my first year of uni, but before that. <laughs> Um, I used to have loads of CDs in my car and if I'd buy a CD, I would rinse it until I knew back to front what track was coming in next. Like all the 1975, well, the first two, (laughs) all of them, (laughs) the first two, like, because I had them when I just got my car. I was listening to them back to back. I knew exactly what song was coming up next, the interludes and everything because I'd paid for it and I thought, I'm making the most out of this. Like, I want to get my money's worth. But now, like, I can't, I've not even listened to the last album they brought out. I don't think there's been an album that I've been truly excited for its release since Tranquility Base, the Arctic Monkeys album. Um, I think it's just so easy to consume music now that the, the excitement of something new coming out is completely gone from it. Um, I think we're, we're definitely trying to push the, the rele- releasing music frequently because we... we Maybe not because that's the way that the industry is going, just because we love releasing music and the whole process around writing and going into the studio. But there's not been an album, like 12 tracks, that I've been really excited for since was it 2017 that album came out. Yeah, it's yeah. mad, isn't it? Like, you just, it's just, I think now, I think something that is coming in that's quite exciting that, that seems to be growing is people buying vinyls. Because yes. I feel like sometimes it's nice to have something, like something physical to have when an album comes out or a single comes out. Just like I used to go, I used to get loads of like memorabilia when I would go to 
Kylie concerts. Like I'd buy a program or I'd buy a T-shirt or just something to have and to be like, I've got this and this makes me... It's like ownership over it because obviously when you've got Spotify, you don't own anything you listen to. Yeah. I think it's just unfortunate that the prices of all this stuff is just going up and up because the... Mm -hmm. There's the actual production of it is so expensive, and the demand has changed that you go you go to a gig and um, for, for for grassroots artists and even like major artists, the actual people wanted to buy that merchandise is so little as well that the prices are so high for it. I mean, what, what sort of uh, is this? We're we talking about like the merchandise and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah like coming out with with vinyls and stuff. I don't think. I think it's brilliant to own that that piece of that 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 piece but of I, art. I guess it's, it, it's sorry. It's it's like a weird situation, isn't it? Because obviously, um, there's that day old argument of how streaming services simply don't pay enough to artists. Um, you know, one of my friends gets a million streams a month on Spotify, which on the face of it is like fuck me, that's a lot. But mm-hmm. then he tells me how much he gets, and I'm like, is that it? Like, I'm like, really? Is that, is that like, is that it? Like you'd expect so much more. I won't like disclose, but it's not a lot mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. Um, and think, sorry. I think like a lot of your friends, like when we tell our friends like, like, oh, you must be earning this from, from Spotify or you must be making money from your gigs. And we don't make a profit. We actually are in loss. We just do it because we enjoy it. Like the, there's literally no way for us at our level I don't think to earn money, but it's we 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 withdrew the money from Spotify the first time in five years was it mm-hmm. this year? Um, we were just like forty three pound. It was. I mean, that's that's just it's it's a it's a statement not because of the quality of your music because it's amazing. It's more the fact that again, I mean, streaming platforms obviously are getting away with murder, aren't they? Let's be mm-hmm. honest. Um, yeah. let's let's talk about your latest single which when this goes out will be out uh give it up um t- tell me everything about it please oh we are so excited that like, it feels like we've been as my friend put it we've been dick teasing this single now <laughs> for months he was like that is, is it out in. yet yeah yeah <laughs> he was like is it even out yet i was like no no we're just teasing you every single day um, because we want like we want as many people as possible, obviously every artist does, just to to listen to it because every track that we work on, I feel like we work harder and harder. And I don't think like the last release I thought, oh, we can't work harder on this one. And then we ended up did. just and then we did. Yeah, yeah. We literally put our blood, sweat and tears into into every release. Um, because obviously we don't have a label or a management, so we do everything ourselves. Um so yeah, we're just really excited just to get some music out again and go on joe what what do you want to add <laughs> before i go it's, off on a tangent i think we've we've spent so much time working on it that it's felt like it's already out we've we right. spent so so much time sort of preparing it that it felt like it was out two weeks ago and we're still doing work on it we're still it comes out comes out in six hours and it still feels like Woo. we're working towards to get getting getting the single out but it felt like it was out two weeks ago so it's a weird feeling to have uh, uh, have you got your next one planned we are in the studio in april um, nice so hopefully we'll have something cool coming out of that yeah we're hoping um 
summertime hopefully but yeah we definitely got stuff coming up um yeah it's just we just have to try and keep up the momentum as best we can now um but yeah give it up if you are listening to the podcast and you've not heard it um it's very emotional and uh, lots of big choruses um very anthemic euphoric oh yeah big time i, I really like yeah. it actually. oh thank you um um sorry go on go on no 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 please please <laughs> carry on please carry on um yeah we all like took different inspirations from different things for it like joe was saying earlier about the like messing about in practice that's actually how this song came about the first the first version of this track like we just mess about and we have such a good time like we we were like oh let's try and make a song that makes us feel like this made us feel um and that's what came out nice nice um i'm i'm excited for you guys for it to be released or when this comes out it'll be out <laughs> and hopefully uh, a lot of people have, will have listened to it um uh, i'm very grateful for your time i'm going to finish on uh one last question which i ask every single guest and i want you both to answer this please um and that is <laughs> If I gave you a blank canvas, what would you paint on it and why? I think it would be um, a post-COVID world with having a barbecue and a beer in my back garden. Nice. Nice. I like it. Mine would be... (laughs) Mine's not as deep as that. Mine's just a face because I like drawing faces. (laughs) I like drawing eyes. Um, so I'd probably paint a picture of a face or with lots of colours. Nice. I like, yeah, lots of colours. And I like drawing long hair as well. <laughs> I knew I had to Very prepare specific. this question. And you come up with face. <laughs> I know, and I told you about this question as well. I was like, right, right, I'll get, I'll get me thinking, Capon. And you've come up with face. <laughs> I, 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 you know, two very wholesome answers, I must say. Um, very specific on your part, Abby. Um, but yeah, thank you very much. It's been a lot of fun talking to you both, and I wish you the best of luck with everything. Oh, thank, thank you, you very, very much, much, Cameron. Thank you for having us. Thank you for listening to this episode of A Blank Canvas. You can follow us on Instagram at A Blank Canvas Pod, or you can like us on Facebook forward slash A Blank Canvas Pod. If you want to contact us for any reason, it's hello at ablankcanvaspod.com or visit our website, ablankcanvaspod.com.